What's up, everybody? You're listening to World's Your Oyster, the podcast that's bringing you relatable and inspiring stories that resonate. And I'm your host, Paula Sanders. And this week, I am so excited to introduce you to Kat Jamison, one of the OG influencers. Now, before we dive into our conversation with Kat, I want to share a little personal note, a pearl, have you? So over the last two seasons, I've had the privilege of connecting with a lot of influencers. And if I'm being honest, these people have left a huge mark on me. Their unique and creative ways of thinking have been a huge source of inspiration. And they've constantly reminded me that wisdom does not solely reside in the boardrooms of major corporations or CEOs and CMOs, et cetera. Sometimes it's found in the stories of these creative individuals who are essentially mini corporations on their own. And there's just so much to learn from them. So our guest today, Kat Jamison, is no exception to that. She's a tastemaker and an accomplished author. And her journey began in 2011 when it was the wild, wild west of influencing. And she started with a blog called With Love from Kat. And she started this when she was living in New York City and she was working in fashion during the daytime and really diving deep into her passion, which was this lifestyle blog at night and whenever she wasn't working. In 2022, Kat faced some personal challenges and some health issues, and she took a really bold step and she shared a lot of what was going on with her life and what she was learning through her Instagram. And she also wrote her first book, which is called Blended, which we will talk about during the episode. And beyond her creative pursuits, Kat shares everything about her life now on Instagram. And she gives us a glimpse into her world, which is filled with travel and elegance and the love that she shares with her husband and their cute little dog, Charlie. Kat has amassed a following of over 400,000 people, and they have followed her from New York to LA, back to New York, and now to Fairfield, Connecticut. And they're still interested in what she's doing, which I find so fascinating. So join me as we uncover the fascinating story of Kat Jamison, a tastemaker, an author, and somebody who knows how to build a community that will stick with you through generations and life changes. Kat, welcome to World Dear Oyster. Thank you so much for having me. I am so happy to have you. I mean, your energy is just so <laughs> contagious. She came in here like a firecracker. <laughs> like I wish that everybody, no offense to the other guests, but I wish everybody came in <laughs> with the energy that you're bringing. So I, I am just, that. I'm happy because it's Saturday and sometimes yes. we can use that caffeine. We yes. can use the good energy. So I'm so happy to have you as part of season two of this show. And I've been obviously watching you. We met about a year ago and I was like, who is this like fascinating woman? She's (laughs) written a cookbook. She's got this absolutely perfect life. Everything is aesthetic, (laughs) if if I do say so myself. And, uh, you know, I I started to do a little research. I'm like, wow, you have been in the content creation game from the very beginning. So I am just like, so interested to hear about your story, how you've gotten into it, but most importantly, like how you've been able to remain relevant and to keep with the changing times because it's, it's always been the wild, wild west, but, um, you know, so I'm, I'm happy to have you here because I want to learn it all (laughs) and I want to learn it all from the best. So I would love to, you know, 
just take a little bit of a trip back and understand how did you get into all of this? And it's a crazy let's, journey. Let's start let's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, taking back 13 years ago, I'm really aging myself here saying that I've been it's okay. I'm probably older. But basically, I started my blog right after college. So I was an interior design major. After interning, I realized, wait, I did not like these internships. And I kind of graduated really freaked out because I said, well, this was my whole life path. I was going to become a designer, but now I don't want to become one. What the hell am I going to do with my life? Right. So I started this blog in that in-between time. You know, I was so lost and I was just like, I need to have some sort of creative outlet. Yeah. And, and what was the was blog? Born. Like, was it WordPress type of a thing? Because like <laughs> most of the kids that watch the show probably don't even really know what an old school blog was. Yes. If you could just explain. <laughs> it was dot blogspot.com. Yeah. <laughs> it was like withlovefromcat.blogspot.com. And then I figured out how to like, on GoDaddy, how to get rid of the blog spot thing. Like I was Good like, for I you. that in my URL. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it really started like that. I taught myself how to blog. I taught myself how to create a little header, like basic coding. I just kind of, you know, no one was doing it at the time. And I just kind of needed something to share what, you know, what designers I love, whether it be interior designers or architects or fashion designers. And then slowly but surely, I started sharing my own outfit. So it was just this place where it was almost like a portfolio mm. for me. And was there anybody else at that time that was doing this or you were kind of like, I saw this, like, where did you even have the no with all to do it? So funny enough, my first experience seeing a fashion blog was Fashion Toast. Do you remember her, Rumi Neely? No. I feel like a sorority sister of mine showed me her website and I was like, this is so cool. She was living in LA. She was kind of a model. She was sharing pictures of her outfits, very street style. And yeah. I said, wow, this is so neat. And I can really combine all of my interests in one place and make this website, whatever I want it to mm. be. And so she was around. And then Emily from Cupcakes and Cashmere. I don't yep. know if you remember yep. her. She yep. was around too. So it was very early, she was OG. early days. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so now you start kind of showing people your life. You're showing people your outfits. Yes. Are you working? By the way, yes. During this time, yes. <laughs> like, so how are we? How are we how paying are for the office? <laughs> Funny enough, I was a nanny. I actually put myself through college. When I turned eighteen, my parents said, "We love you, but you are completely an adult now, and you're financially on your own. So figure out how to go to college, figure out how to pay your rent, sorority dues, you know, everything, car." And I said, "Okay, I need a job that's going to, you know." pay for my life. Yeah. And it was as a full-time nanny. So I actually took a lot of online classes in college and made it work. Mm -hmm. And I graduated a semester early, which saved a lot. But yeah, I was working as a nanny. That's crazy. So, and I guess that gave you the time to also like document some of your life. You know, when the yes, kids were sleeping, you were exactly. able to. When he was napping, I was like, okay, I'm kind of bored. And I was done with college at that, you know, last semester. So that's when the blog really came to life. And now while you're in college and you're doing this blogging, are people judging you? Are they like, what the hell is she doing? Why is she doing this? Or did they have no idea? No one had any idea. I kept it totally secret. And like I said, I had graduated that December. So all my friends were still in school. So I was kind of in this rogue period. You know, I was like nannying and I really wanted to move to New York City because okay. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I said, I know that New York City will have these opportunities for me. And I just feel like, 
my soul is meant to be there. Like mm-hmm. I was just so drawn to it. So no one knew. I just kept it a secret. And I honestly kept it a secret probably for like a year. That's crazy. And then people started finding me. And so. now you're doing this at, at this time of your life, you're doing this purely for fun, right? There's absolutely no money in it. Totally. It's just like something that you're doing for fun. So totally. you do find your way to New York City and you do yes. so what, through a job? Or? Yeah. So I moved to New York just, again, I had this gut instinct. I was like, I think I'm going to move and I think it's all going to work out. I moved without a job. I had no idea what I was going to do still at this point, but a girlfriend of mine was already living in the city and she's like, you can crash in my place. Just pay me $500 a month for rent. And I was like, okay. Like on the I couch? <laughs> I couldn't imagine you. I couldn't imagine. Mattress. No, yes. I don't believe it. I slept on an air mattress for almost a year. I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. This woman that with the perfect home, the perfect everything, you were sleeping on the couch. That's I how I got my start. I yes. love this. Okay, amazing. You have to start somewhere. And like, I had this drive to make it work. And like I said, my parents When I left for college, they said, we love you, but you're never moving back home again. So I knew I had to make it work, you know? So I- Quick quick question about your parents though. Because you have like such a beautiful aesthetic and obviously very keen eye for style, are they into that as well? Yes, my mom. It's totally where I get my style from. She's like, has impeccable taste, always loved antique shopping and- I just, yeah, I owe it all to her. So I would assume you would go shopping with her. Like, did you, you always loved it because you went into design as well. Yes. Okay, got it. But even still, she she instilled this incredible taste in you. And then she was like, well, you're going to have to figure it out, babe. This is how you work hard for it. Wow. But good. Which is good. Tough. I think tough love is so important. Like I'm not a parent, but to any parents out there, I will say it was frustrating at the time. And I was like, oh, I hate my parents. I can't believe they did this. But now I'm so grateful because I really had to launch into the world and figure out how to, you know, pay for everything. Yeah, absolutely. So So how do we go from the couch to our next thing? (laughs) So I literally reached out to every single person I'd ever known that had any connection with New York City. Like, friends, sisters from middle school who I knew were living in the city. And I said, Hey, do you, you know, you have anyone that is hiring in the design or fashion realm? I'll literally do anything. Like, and I was willing to be a nanny actually as well. Luckily someone had a job at this small jewelry company and they said, we're hiring. I'm the only employee, but we need someone else on the team to help with everything. Mm. So you would be learning how to do the social media PR, you know, quick books, literally sales, every single skill. And I said, okay, I don't really have those skills, but I can learn. So I got hired a couple of weeks later. I was so lucky. Yeah. And I was writing my blog at the same time. And I really just learned how to run a business through working at this company. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. So you do this for how long? And obviously this is now like the the real early days of social media, I would assume at this time. So you're learning kind of from the ground up. There's exactly, there's no metrics, right? There's no, you have to learn how to style photo shoots and things. I'm assuming Instagram wasn't even around at this time, which is crazy to think about. It had just come out, I think about a year later. So I had already been blogging for probably a year and a half. Then Instagram came Mm. around. So it was Twitter at the time, Pinterest, and I just kind of taught 
myself, you know, I would Google like how to post a tweet or how to create a Pinterest fit. Hilarious. <laughs> and I worked at this job in the garment district for a year and a half. And I would write my blog at night after yeah. work and like on the weekends. I was so passionate about it. Yeah. And, and now then, were you, you blogging about like what you were wearing? Yes. D- like buildings that you loved or interior designers that you loved? Yes. So to imagine like, you know, now Everything. so much has, like has changed, right? It's all about like the parties that you go to and the things, you know, <laughs> but like, I mean. Back in the day. <laughs> you didn't like go to par- Like there was no, no parties to go. There was no like PR no. inviting you to events for Swarovski or whatever. <laughs> You know, it was like you went to your friend's birthday parties and a <laughs> wedding and, wearing, a, and yeah. a couple of weddings, you know? Yes, it <laughs> was that. really what I was wearing to work. And it was wow. street style type of shoots. Mm. There was, um, I don't know if you remember Scott from The Sartorialist. Yes, yes. School. So I would get inspiration by, you know, the angles he was shooting at in the middle of the street. And I, you know, bought this Canon camera and I was I taught myself like how to self-timer brown like, blurry and I actually had my boyfriend at the time okay okay me, or friends like whoever would help and I would say okay prop it up like this and I would do the settings and they didn't did photos. they think you were absolutely insane my, my yes, girlfriends would have never have done that for <laughs> me ever yeah the time now yeah. sometimes I could get them to do it because they want the good pictures I too. still get embarrassed sometimes, but now <laughs> everyone's doing it. So it's like, okay, yeah. whatever. You, well, you know what? Dan, you make money doing this. So like, you know what? I always say, you want to laugh, I'll be laughing. They're they're laughing all the way to the bank with this stuff. Yes. So like, yes. and you know what? They're not sitting at a desk all day looking at spreadsheets. So, totally. <laughs> so it's, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so you stay at this job for how, well, while you're like secretly building this blog, at yeah. what point do you finally realize that there's something here? Like when is the, like the, does the real creator switch happen for you? So I really had been blogging for two years at that point, not doing partnerships, not getting paid for it. I was just passionate about it. I was posting every single day just because I loved writing and I loved sharing. It just was this really happy space for me. So about six months before I decided to go blogging full-time, I started to notice a few other New York City creators, you know, getting a partnership here and there, doing an event. And I thought, okay, clearly they're able to make this a job, make a living out of it. Maybe I can too. And mm-hmm. so I just started to reach out to brands that were actually in the offices surrounding my office in the garment district. So, you know, Ralph Lauren was down the street. I don't know if you remember Hot Hippie. Yeah, they course. were down the street. Um, Theodore and Callum, which is this cool scarf company that's now closed. Um, Scoop. Yeah. You know, all these brands that I don't know if anyone Gen Z listening will know. <laughs> I know all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I, at the time, this is crazy. They had Facebook pages and I would DM them on their Facebook business page. Like, Ralph Lauren. How often say, would they respond? They would. They would, because at the time it was nobody such even a knew small what to space. do. It was yeah. like they had just hired their first social media coordinator, and she would be like, "Yeah, let's meet for coffee." And I'd say, "Oh, this is what I'm doing. Would you want to partner somehow? I'll style some of the clothes from your collection, and you guys can pay me to, you know, post on my blog or Instagram." And they were like, "Okay." So it really started so organically yeah. and like- And you knew how to use QuickBooks. I was like, your invoice is due. Yeah. 60 days. Not, they're like, not 60, not 30. But I 
I mean, you probably love know it. all fashion brands pay very late. Yes. Yes. Well, so. I just learned about that. Net 30, <laughs> net 60. I was talking to a friend actually the other day and I was like, I had always seen those on the invoices, but I never knew what they meant, <laughs> which is funny. But I was probably working in the garment district at that no same way. time. So oh when gosh. I, this is, I'm assuming this is probably around like what, 2006? Eight, oh, seven, eight or two. Oh. 2011. Okay. So I, I'm yeah. a little bit prior to that time. So, well, I was actually living in the garment district in oh 2011, but I actually interned in fashion. My step aunt, she owned okay. a sweater company oh and they did gosh. like all sorts of licensing for brands like BB and all of that. Oh my gosh. And me and my girlfriend, we would actually, I was still living on Long Island at the time. She worked at Ralph Lauren. No so I know exactly which oh building that you're, she actually wow. still works for Ralph Lauren, which is crazy. crazy. But we would ride the train in together. I would drop her off at Ralph and then I would go up a couple blocks and like, but like the energy of the garment district during Back those then. years and that time was so Magnetic. incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I remember I used to have to go to some like, like showrooms for yeah. the, the, I've worked in a showroom essentially, but I would have yeah. to go to other showrooms, to like pick things up and it would just be like, it was cool. So cool. It was really cool. There is a really cool energy down there when you go into these old buildings and you see where, you know, these factories are. Cause yeah. there's a lot of garments still produced here in, in the, the U S district. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. So now you realize that this could be a real thing. So yes. you're you're reaching out to Ralph Lauren on their <laughs> on their Facebook page and you're saying, pay me. Yep. Which I mean, how did you even have the thing to do it? Cause you assume, did you because I would assume at this time now, like you have the Kiara Frig yes. Frag, I don't know. Yes. Say, blonde salad. Yes. Who else was doing oh my it gosh. back then? I loved blonde salad. Yeah, she was, I mean, Such she's still cool. actually and she's still she's huge. still pretty cool. Like I said, Emily Cupcakes and Cashmere, she had done something with Coach. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, there's big companies that right. want to do these huge campaigns. And a lot of people were starting to design mini collections. So it happened quick in that way? It kind of did. It was all kind of 2012, 2013. And that's kind of when Instagram really started to pick up. So I was one of the first fashion influencers like to get on Instagram. And I mean, I really did not know what to charge at the time. So I was like, just pay me $500 for, you know, this. And it was like, okay. Well, you had another job too, right? I I had another job. And then I did finally quit it. Um, And so it was a little tight that first year because I was like, I don't know how much to charge. And I I was just learning as I went. But I'm so grateful for that time because it really taught me how to manage my finances and also how to really advocate for myself, like know my worth to figure out, you know, okay, what's the industry standard here? And were the girls in the business? Because even still, I know for sure, like back then, and nobody was friends, really. Like you were kind of doing this in your own your silos yes. because there wasn't, now there's these huge brand events. Everybody knows each other. Even yes. I know all the girls at this point. <laughs> I've met most of them and I'm nobody in the social world, oh, but in the social media, in the social true. media world, in the social media world. But, you know, you're doing this probably alone. So you're not having these. And also let's yeah. take it back a step too. Like we're now only just becoming more comfortable talking about money and what people make. And, you know, it's becoming a bit more transparent. Back then, you would never in a million years ask yeah. somebody what they're charging for something. I know. So did you just have to think about like the time spent between, you know, getting the looks together, styling them, shooting them, editing them, putting them up, coming up with a caption. So you kind of had to put a dollar amount to all of that. It was very tricky. I, I Googled, you know, even how much does a photographer charge, let's say for like a two hour shoot, because sometimes I would have to hire a professional photographer sure. for some of these things. So then I thought, well, I need to at least 
cover that. And, you know, photography is really expensive, professional photography. Trust me, so, I know. It's worth so it though. I think it it's is, worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, well, I need to charge at least X to, you know, be able to pay the photographer. And then I knew you needed to set aside like 30% at least for taxes, taxes. when you're self-employed. So it was kind of this guessing game to be quite honest. Yeah. And for the first year, I probably messed up, you know, a lot of, you know, I undercharged, like I said, but I was just so grateful to be my own boss. I was, I know I was always meant to be my own boss, mm-hmm. you know? And now what did you do during those times that it was tight because you are a, a fashion influencer at this point and you need to be displaying beautiful garments. So yes. if you didn't have a partnership, were you able to post? Did you have enough from your own collections that you felt comfortable with creating the content for? So luckily my style has always been very classic. So neutrals and just great pieces, even if it's something from H&M, it was classic. It yeah. was just a great little tan camel sweater. And I would do like a monochrome, you know, head to toe camel look with a black coat over. So it would make it look elevated and chic, Mm -hmm. but it could be on a budget. Yeah. And then I would borrow my mom's bags. (laughs) Very grateful for her. She would let me borrow her bags. And then back then showrooms would let you borrow clothes here and there. But again, because my style is so classic, I was really able to mix and match the few pieces I did have in my wardrobe, which is great. And that's why I always tell people, get a classic wardrobe, you know, a great trouser, a great black jean or, you know, blue jean, like couple neutral sweaters and you can jazz them up with like a blazer yeah. or a jacket. So. And now during the, those times, did you ever feel like any type of imposter syndrome coming in? Like being that you went to school for design, mm-hmm. now you're, and obviously you're sharing a lot design now, but yeah. I imagine kind of in those earlier days, it was more fashion focused because are you totally. still on the couch or no? Or on the air mattress or no? Have you At left the air? Point, have I you left the air mattress? Left okay. <laughs> okay. Thank God. <laughs> I moved to the Upper East Side in a tiny walk-up yep. studio apartment. It was great. So charming. And then I moved to the West Village a couple of years after that. So I kept like slowly moving. Leveling up. up. You know, but it's like, it teaches you to be so grateful Absolutely. when you really start with nothing. And it was just such a clean slate, the whole industry, you know, it's no one knew what we were doing. No. So yeah. Now it seems that there's a bit more of a formula. So now when you decide you're going to go full-time, what do your parents think? What do your friends think? My parents were like, what are you doing? It's 12. This is like 2012. Yeah. 2012, almost 2013. They're like, you're going to blog? Like no one knew what it was still really. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, I really think I can make this work. And I'm the older child. So I'm very type A and I've always been such a hard worker. So they knew they were like, we're never worried about you. And I always did my homework when I got home from school, like for the whole week immediately. So it's kind of like, they just said, great. Like we don't understand this, but like Good luck to you. Well, you know? well yeah. Well, they weren't so, supporting you anyway. So they yeah. were like, you know what? Go, you might as well. If, if yeah. anyone's going to be a star in this family, it's going to be you, baby. <laughs> I love that. Are you an older child too? I'm the oldest. Yeah. I'm the I oldest. I have two younger. Well, I have four younger brothers, actually. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And I'm the only girl in my entire family. Wow. You're special. So alpha. <laughs> yeah. Alpha, the alpha princess. <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, it was always the same thing with me too. I mean, I did crazy things in my life. I mean, granted, I was a dancer for many years. My parents were dancers as well. So they kind of understood it. But, you know, they also, the same thing. Once I decided to like not, they own dance schools. Once I made the decision to like 
not help them in their business and yeah. have my own professional career and then move into something else. When yeah. I stopped dancing, when I decided officially I'm not going to own the dance schools, I'm just going to grow other people's businesses. They were like, you know, you're on your own. Okay. And, yeah. you know, they never, they never feared for me. But again, yeah. you know, like during those years when I was dancing, I mean, I was like selling muscle milk, like doing <laughs> like muscle milk street team. Like, oh yeah. I was dancing in Times Square in a banana suit for Jamba Juice. Oh like God. I was literally, Amen. we need to see some of those photos. I have the photos of, I actually have photos of all of that. I have photos of all of it. Cause it was, to it was too that. great to not document, but you know, you just, you have to do what, what you, you want to do. do to make it work. But Absolutely. I always just like, for me, I appreciate so much people that like have the confidence in themselves to yeah. really take a chance on themselves and to see them themselves as a business, because it's so yeah. funny, even though, you know, I've had wonderful things and successes in my life. I always said, you know, like, I'm going to work for the man. I'm going to work for somebody else, even though I'm doing this little thing on the side, but I do, you know, I work for the man, but I always just said, you know, it's like you, you can sleep a little bit easier at night knowing that, you know what, if yeah. one day where I work is to go out of business or the fire or whatever, like, you know, it's not mine. Yes. You know, yes. I can go work for somebody else or do something for somebody else, but it's so scary and, yeah. you know, risky totally. when you're putting everything that you've got into yourself. So totally. always like, you know, I just give it up to people that like can do it. <laughs> and I, I, I just, I think it's so amazing, especially in a time where you don't even know if this is going to really escape. Yeah, yeah. If this is really going to be a thing. So we fast forward a few <laughs> years and we're, you know, we replaced our salary from working at the jewelry store, or wherever yeah. you were doing. Now yeah. we're making good money. And we're having, we're having a good time. So we're like, okay, we're, we're a business now. So I would assume at some point, right. We get bored or something because there is a level up there, but I know you do also kind of encounter the health scare, right? So if you want to kind of talk about the journey into that and then where that led you into your next thing. Yeah. So I had, you know, around five really strong years, just blogging and, you know, posting on Instagram, being a full-time influencer. By the way, how does it feel though? Like in the beginning when you're getting all these like, com- like campaigns and stuff. Yeah, like, like, no, when you're getting like all the love, the comments, oh, the, the so fanfare. It's so exciting. Yeah. It's you know? exciting, right? <laughs> I, I'm actually, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a shy person, but I am more introverted mm-hmm. and private. Mm-hmm. Like half of me is I, I'm an ambivert, I guess you can call it half and half. So at first it was a little overwhelming, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think some people are really good, like Kiara about, I am the star, like come do meet and greets with me. <laughs> right, and right, I'm right. Like, You're like, I'm not doing I that. never <laughs> like, I thought that's so silly. I was like, I'm not going to have people do a meet and greet. Who am I? Like, I, I really, I think it's like the artist creative in me. I, there's a part of me that really does like being behind the scenes too, right. which is kind of funny considering the line of work I'm in. But yeah. anyways, well, so it's I, art. What you're producing is art. You're producing gorgeous photos and yeah. landscapes and you're not like getting on and doing lives, you know, right. you're not right. like talking about your it, marital issue, you know, like, I don't, you know, not that I'm saying that you have no, any, but like, you're not I'm talking not, about any of that stuff. Totally, totally. <laughs> you're like, look at this gorgeous photo. So you yes. can see that's, that's yes. the difference. That, and that's the piece that I love about my job is that creative element, setting up the shot and the outfit and the colors and picking the backdrop to coordinate with. It's like the aesthetic part really is what fuels me versus some people, especially with TikTok now, it's so personality driven. Are you on TikTok? I have a great personality. Yeah, you do have a great (laughs) personality. I prefer being known for like my aesthetic and my taste. That's just 
how I am and how I've always been. Right. Where some people go out there and they're just personality first. It's all TikTok, mm-hmm. um, kind of natural, organic, like in the moment, which yeah. is cool. I am on TikTok. Um, yeah. I haven't posted in months. It's not the platform for me. Yeah. And, you know, I've been on Instagram for, I think like 12 years now. So it's, I'm more photo centric mm-hmm. and that's where I feel comfortable. And I do a reel here or there when a brand wants me to. But again, I really love photography and that's where I feel comfortable. And I think you should always post how you feel comfortable. Like, for example, you, you've got an amazing personality too. And, you know, you're so curious, like we were talking about earlier before we started. And so it's like the podcast is maybe your way that you feel comfortable sharing and being creative. hundred percent. Cause I'm not going to turn on my phone and talk into my phone. Right. And also like, I'm not trying to learn about myself. I'm trying to learn about other people, but right. it's true. It's like, I feel completely comfortable making content like this, but I am not comfortable. Yes. Like doing the, even like the, yeah, I do my little fashion reels, but like, I'm not yeah. actually, I've even done some skincare. I've done some, I've done some skincare stuff too, but I do. I try to push myself out of my yeah. comfort zone sometimes, yeah. but I'm not getting on TikTok with zit stickers on. Right. And, Neither am I. And, you know. and that it's great that people are doing love that. It. That's awesome. Yeah. Go, go, you know, yeah, you love know. it. But I actually love you it. know, it's, and again, I think you should just do whatever feels most comfortable for you because that's where you're ultimately going to thrive. Yeah. People can see through if you're uncomfortable, you know, toasting with the zit sticker. (laughs) Totally. And listen, if you forget it's on, it's all good. (laughs) It's um, all good. But no, I really had such an exciting couple few years of starting off as an influencer in New York City and going to so many events and traveling all over the world in my young 20s. Traveling? They were doing the the trips back then? Like the influencer trips? Incredible trips. Incredible trips. But, you know, there's always two sides to every story. And I think people would see this perfect picture of me out in Milan or at fashion week or, Mm -hmm. and I was really not feeling well. I was bloated all the time. I was tired. I had brain fog. I just was stressed. I was feeling depressed and alone because you're working alone and then it is competitive and it wasn't as collaborative as as it is now. And it wasn't as accepted as a career as it is now or respected. So like when you um, are at a fashion week event, the fashion people don't oh, want to see editors you. editors are like, ew. Yeah. Like, it was really like that back then. And even, you know, when we would be sitting front row with other editors, they would be upset. They would totally. be really, it was not collaborative at all. And I wish people would know like how cutthroat the fashion industry really, really was. And it kind of still, still is, is in a way. I think it still Very is. Very gatekept. Yeah. But yeah. I I get that though. And and it's interesting because now only this year, or maybe just because I'm tapped into a little bit more, but I have noticed that this year, because fashion week has become all about the influencers now, let's, it doesn't even matter where you go around the world. I was in Milan. It was all about the influencers as well. A little bit less than here in New York, Yeah, but a couple of them actually got very sick and they like through fashion month. Yeah. Yeah. And they posted. You're so run down. Yeah. And they posted about it. Like it's like, nobody understands, like it all looks fabulous and it is fabulous. And we're so grateful, but like (laughs) it's challenging work. And that's what I've learned too, with meeting with so many of my friends that, you know, are doing this full time as well. And, and I've spent time I'm with them too while they're doing it. Yeah, and like the, the stress, the pressure. It's not just pretty photos. No, <laughs> you know, really there's so much, there's a lot to get that photo. 24 yeah. seven because you want to post right after the show. Right. So you need to go back to your hotel room, edit the photos, you know. Right. So basically when I prioritized only my business for five years straight, obviously 
my relationships took a hit, my family time took a hit, my body, it took a toll on everything. And so that's when I moved to LA. Okay, I told got you it. Earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. <laughs> to kind of heal myself. <laughs> yeah. And was there anything actually wrong or you were just completely run down? You know, I think it was really number one, I have a histamine intolerance, which I didn't know about, which is kind of something random. It, now they're talking about it more like nutritionists, but it's when you really can't have things with high histamine in it. So it's avocados, like, and I was having avocado toast, toast every all morning. the time. Oh. It's like, <laughs> like a lot of fruit. So I was having a smoothie at Equinox, like after a workout, thinking I was being so healthy or like I would have an acai bowl with granola and almond butter. So it's like nuts and fruit and avocado, all these things that are healthy for you were giving me such a bad, like allergic reaction basically. And I was inflamed all the time. Plus I was drinking so much acidic drinks. So it's like coffee in the morning, then red wine at night. It was just, you know, that 24 seven, you know, you entertain nonstop (laughs) lifestyle. So I I had to stop drinking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, you really have to cut back or just eat so healthy in Mm -hmm. between. Mm -hmm. So LA was this really nice reprieve for me. And I feel like I dove into the health and wellness world when I was there and I learned so much. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of took a step back from the 24 seven go, go, go lifestyle. And I moved to this little house, like right on the beach, pretty much. It was three blocks from the beach in Venice. so nice. It was so nice. And I had my like hippie years. (laughs) So two years there. Yeah. And you're still doing content creation while you're out there? Still doing content creation. I will say my style shifted a little bit during that time. Obviously, California is so casual. Right. (laughs) And so I, I wore a lot more baggy jeans, ripped jeans. And color. I wore more color. Whoa. Very neutral. Yeah. So that was surprising, but it was such a neat time for me because everyone there is into meditation, wellness, yoga, yeah. like Pilates, all these things that, you know, it's a very big drinking culture in New York city. Super. So this was really refreshing yeah. and awesome. And Erewhon, of yeah. course. I haven't been love yet. Erewhon. I'm dying to go. I know oh, I haven't been. My gosh. I don't I, I haven't been it. to LA in like probably six years. I don't know if Erewhon no was around. It, yeah, it's yeah. been a long time. Yeah. It just had come around. Then. Yeah. I think it, it wasn't even a thing back then. So is this when you because you did write a cookbook? Yes. So is this when you do this when you're in LA? Yes. So I, you know, I had started talking about my health struggles and just being confused about like, why am I so inflamed on your blog time on my blog and on my Instagram stories? Mm -hmm. I was like, do I have the gluten intolerance? Like I really didn't know. And I tried everything. I tried going gluten-free, dairy-free. Luckily then I found out it was the histamine stuff. And I do feel better when I don't eat gluten and dairy. I think don't we all, but I definitely do. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) but I partnered with this wonderful chef. She was the head chef at my favorite restaurant in Venice called Great White. It's so good. If you ever go, you have to go Great to this White. Aussie cafe. If you're out there, so go, cute. go. And I said, will you help me develop great comfort food recipes, but that are mostly gluten, dairy, and sugar-free? Because that's how I look and feel my best. And I said, they have to be colorful. They can't just be like a sad little salad. Right. Like help me make meals that I'll actually want to make on a regular basis, but that are really healthy. And she and I worked together and we did that. And we shot this whole beautiful- And I was going to say, so you shot all the images. So this was like a true creative experience for you. Crazy. I had this wonderful photographer help me shoot it. Mm -hmm. And we styled it. We 
you know, spent weeks planning what flour to do on the overlay or like how like a linen napkin would fall with the food. And I think- Did you love it? I loved it because I love collaborative projects Mm -hmm. and food is an extension of, I mean, if you're a creative person, you love fashion, you love food, you love architecture. It's all connected. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of this passion project of mine. First of all, that's (laughs) crazy that you were like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm having these issues. I want to be able to like solve a problem, right? Because I can't be the only person that's struggling with these issues. So I'm going to put a cookbook out there (laughs) into the world. How did that feel when you actually, when it was done? And what is it called? It's called Blended. Blended. That's right. Blended. It's actually, my mom came up with the name because I'm half Japanese and half Irish. And so she's always been like, oh, you're such a blend, Blend. you know? And then obviously blended is like a word you can use in cooking to like blending things together is a little bit of entertaining and decor as well. So it kind of blends all of my Mm -hmm. passion and interest together. And did you write the actual content too? Like for the entertaining, like it was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I will say it really took a lot of life out of me. And that's why I took then after that, it took five years to finish the book. Um, I worked on it little by little while obviously working full time doing Instagram and my blog, but yeah, then I needed a break after. Yeah, because I would assume you needed to find a publisher and like it was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> shop it around. I mean, that's like a whole other hustle. Promote it, yeah, promote it. Oh my gosh! Well, you had, a, I'm sure you had you, a strong following it. at that time, right? Yeah, so like around the time that you released the book, how many people did you have following you on Instagram? I think it was like four hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, which is so. you. So you've been able to keep that same following. That's the thing that is so interesting to me is that (laughs) you've been in it for such a long time and you've been able to keep it following about 450. That's where you're at right now. Like exactly. So how do you do it? Especially (laughs) as you know, the although I will say, I'm sure your followers probably grew up with With you, but like, how do you, cause I know I follow one, follow, follow one, follow all different people, like depending on what I'm going through in my life. Totally. How are you able to keep this loyal following of people? That's a great question. Yeah. Do you know? (laughs) It's hard. No, I don't know. It's been up and down for sure. And like with all the changes with Instagram analytics, that's been very frustrating. Like the algorithm. I mean, we all, we all know, no one wants to hear anyone complain about it anymore though. But yeah, I think I've really shared my life as it's unfolded, like chapter by chapter. And I think a lot of women can relate to that because they're going through similar things too, whether it's moving to a new city, going through health problems, Mm -hmm. going through a breakup, mental health issues, feeling burnt out from a job, wanting to change jobs, like all these things I've always kind of talked about. Yeah. I feel like I stood apart or yeah, I stood out from being a typical fashion blogger because from day one on my website, I always talked about mental health. My dad's a psychologist. And so I've always been very open about like, Hey, and you know, I'm going through a breakup right now. You know, no one was really doing that at the time. Uh Everyone is just the pretty pictures. So you did used to do the, the ugly stuff. Yes. I was was like, I was going to say, like, I don't ever see any of this stuff. It was writing (laughs) and it was the pretty picture was, you know, attached to it. Yeah. I would, I would pour my heart out in these blog posts and really talk about, you know, I went through a really difficult breakup when I was like 25 and we had been in a relationship for seven and a half years. I thought I was going to end up with this person. Yeah. So, um, so before you moved to LA, you broke up with him. Yeah. Okay. And LA was such a good fresh start. Right. And so I really shared that. And I think that that's what people connect to. People mm-hmm. connect to a story. Of course, you know, they love 
my neutral style or the way I put myself together. But I think maybe hopefully what's kept people, you know, connected is the, through the stories I tell. Yeah. The real stories I tell. Yeah. And they're seeing you like the ups and downs and yeah. you're thriving now <laughs> in your, in your new world. So yes. you end up back in New York city. Yes. Yep. So I felt like I really healed myself in LA. I did the whole chapter and then I found myself really missing New York. I miss the energy, the hustle bustle. I mean, obviously that's why you're here. Totally. Such a fun city and so inspiring. Mm -hmm. I moved back and then I met my husband literally the next month. The next month. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh my God, that's amazing. So you didn't, you weren't out there in these streets for that long. I thought I was going to be single for a long time. A woman like this doesn't stay single. Are you kidding? (laughs) Where did you meet him? It's a funny story. We actually had met that month. Okay, so I broke up with my boyfriend when I was like 25. Mm -hmm. And I was on a single bender tear, like for the next few months, just like dating. Because I hadn't been single in years. Yeah. And I actually met him through a friend during that period, like that six months period after the breakup. On a date? On a date. On a date. Yeah, we had so much fun. Oh, no way. Yes, our mutual friend connected us. He was so sweet. I thought he was amazing. But then I moved to Paris for the summer and I was like doing my Euro tour with like one of my single girlfriends. We went to Ibiza. We went to London, like all over. Right. I did not we want to be in another relationship. Yeah. So we lost touch. And then when I moved back to New York, you know, four years later, our friend reconnected us. And I'm so grateful for that. Oh my God. And it was fate. I really think it was fate. And at that time, I wasn't 26 anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? I was 30. And it's like, you're more mature. Your eyes are more open. Yeah. And I was ready to be in a relationship again. Oh my gosh. But I always say, you have to make the guy work for it a little bit. Oh yes. <laughs> you have to Absolutely. And I do, <laughs> I do talk to a lot of girlfriends about this. I didn't intentionally try to make him wait four years, but they want you a little bit more when you, when you don't like show that much interest right away. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's, <laughs> I always say too, like, what is for you? Who is for you? It will not pass you. Like if yes. it is supposed to come back, it will. If it's 100%. not like, let it go. And that's like a true testament to that. Like Time why in God's everything. name did your friends like even think to connect you again? Like when I feel like people had a misconnection, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to connect them again. Yeah. But there's a reason obviously totally. why. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. And then you guys end up moving to the suburbs, right? So you take the city girl with the city <laughs> oh, life man. and the blog and the Instagram and and then you take her to Connecticut. <laughs> so were you worried? Oh like, how am I going to keep these people interested in Connecticut? Like, you or know, you were like, I'll follow you to the ends of the ocean, baby. <laughs> it's like my eyebrow girl. I tell her, if you ever move salons, I'll follow you anywhere. I'm devoted to this <laughs> That's one so girl. In the I city? Am. Yes, I am obsessed oh. with her. She's been at um, Sephora, Fifth Avenue, Candace, if anyone wants to oh, go wow. see her. Oh, wow. Okay. For like 18 years. She does the Anastasia Beverly Hills method, which okay. is so good. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Loyalty, but yeah. no, so we, you know, we were living in Soho at the time. And then the pandemic hit and we stayed in the city in our apartment with our little dog for three months straight while everything was on lockdown. And it was a very scary time in the city. A lot of people left. Especially Soho. Especially Soho. There was a lot of looting happening, Mm -hmm. a lot of crime. Our apartment ended up sadly getting broken into. (gasps) Yeah. And so we- Did you get things stolen? Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. That's crazy. And Soho, by the way, if you're not from New York City, is the most expensive neighborhood in New York City. (laughs) 
Yeah. So like it was that's heart wrenching. A gorgeous to- building. No, it was very. It was because it was a ghost town during yeah, that time. It was totally. very weird. No one was. Everyone around, went so to their knew. compounds elsewhere. <laughs> their fortresses in the Hamptons. <laughs> <laughs> we we escaped that third month because we were going stir crazy and we yeah. moved in with my husband's family from Connecticut. And for three months, we lived with them. And I was like, wow, this is a really beautiful area. I was like, this is, they have a pool. They have, you know, a beautiful garden. My dog was loving it. Right. And a lot of people had left the city and had moved to, like you said, the Hamptons or Connecticut, you know, Jersey, New Jersey, Long Florida. Island. Yeah even California. And so no one was around and no events were happening. I mean, the world really did shut down for two years straight. So after we lived with them for the summer, I said, you know what? I actually love it out here and I don't feel comfortable going back to our apartment. And we bought a house in Connecticut. (laughs) So we're an hour away. We're not in like the woods. I'm like not a country girl. She's got the garden of a country girl, though. (laughs) But I I love it. And it's funny because I never thought I would be a suburb person. Yeah. And not that there's anything wrong, by the way. So we love it. And so it's, but I don't know about you, but coming from the city, it has a connotation of like, oh, you live in the burbs. Like, okay, like you, you know, you have five kids and you drive a minivan and like, it's it's the same shit. It's the same. (laughs) And as someone who lived in the city, like that's kind of what I thought. And it's not like that at all because so many people from the city have moved to these towns like an hour away in Connecticut. Right. So I love it. I love our neighbors. Great restaurants. Yeah. Do you have like a tribe of of suburban friends and you guys are like having parties? Totally. And most of them honestly worked in the city in fashion. Yeah. Now they're out there. Now they're married and starting to have kids. We're like probably the only people without kids, but have fun. Whatever. Right. Yeah. We're having fun. Yeah. Exactly. That's a whole so other phase of life that <laughs> it is. I'm not ready for that. I know. <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> yeah, no, 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 definitely not. So how do you, you know, once you get settled into your, your new life, do you begin creating content right away? Does it take yeah. you some time to like develop this, your new voice or your new like persona? How do you handle and navigate that? I feel like, again, I was lucky because everyone was moving during this time. So everyone was kind of sharing, oh, hey, we bought a house in the Burbs or, you know, now we're having a kid or now we're buying the Suburban. (laughs) Like a lot of people transitioned during that time. So it it felt natural. I think it would have been harder for me to make that switch because, again, I was doing more street style, New York City, going to events kind of content. And then all of a sudden, like being... Connecticut, this cute, charming town. I think that would have been a little bit of like a switch, but not, you know, yeah. everyone, again, like I said, kind of was transitioning. Did you guys leave the city? During no, the I was okay. in like 500 square feet, like a one oh. bed. Yeah. We were in a one bed, one bath. God bless you. Yeah. It was crazy. It was <laughs> oh like, God. thank God we love each other. Exactly. I was going to yeah. say, clearly your marriage is very <laughs> Yeah. Strong. Yeah. Yeah. We were, well, it's funny because we started the pandemic as a boyfriend and girlfriend that lived no. together. We got engaged <gasps> and got married like all this through. This was us too. Yeah. Yeah, See, you're, this is how you know because a lot of people got divorced during that. Yeah, which is hard. No, I, I, I it's tr- you know we had the best. Time. We had the best I hate time. To say that, but we had so much fun together. Yeah, no, us too. It was listen. Laughing. It was a horrible time. Yes, terrible yes. things were going on in the yes. world. But once we both succumbed to the fact of knowing that we were probably never going to have this much time together again oh, until yeah. we 
we're like retired. And when let's face it, when oh, we're really? retired, we don't have the energy that we have now. So like <laughs> we just did so yeah. many fun things inside the house. Like we didn't need yeah. to leave. In fact, I was devastated when I had to go back to work. Me too. I was I think devastated. Like my little inner homebody coming out. I yeah. love, like we would play Scrabble. We'd yeah. make dinner. It was great. We'd have funny wine nights. We got a strobe light and pretended it was a club one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, did, like, we did the weirdest stuff, but it was just such great bonding time. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And if you married your best friend, like, you know, it's just your best friends. You laugh about everything. Yeah. No, it's, so, it's wonderful. We're cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we're those cheesy people, but I'm sorry. <laughs> so how does your husband, like, does he enjoy being a part of your content? Like it's hard, right? It's like also yeah. like our husbands are our photographers, you know, there's yes. so many things. So how does he handle, you know, being in the spotlight? <laughs> he is so funny. He's so supportive. He is so, you know, amazed that I've built this business. And I think for him, he really admires that. And he sees me as this entrepreneur. And it's so sweet because he is so patient to take any photo for me, redo the angle, redo the lighting. He helped me style all the cookbook like photos. So he um, has a keen eye as well. Yeah. He's really creative. And it's kind of funny because he wasn't using that or tapping into that. And so I think that that's been a really beautiful kind of thing we share together that we love doing. Do you think he has a future in influencing? (laughs) You know what I love about him? He (laughs) does not like care about fame or like want, like he's not like tag me or it's right. Like he's happy and comfortable being in front of the camera, but it's not like he has his own Instagram page and right. promote Does he even himself. have an Instagram? He has one from like, you know, right when it came out with like 200 followers. And oh my like God, that's so photos, funny. Like three photos. Oh like my he God. he has posted in three years. But I like that. I yes. like that about him. I think that's kind of like, you can tell a guy is a good guy. They're not trying to, unless you have a business that needs to be promoted, but- I love the way that you've kind of been able to authentically share your life and your journey and and to do it in under your terms and the way that you really want to, um, you know, have yourself perceived in the world. And we'd love to know, like, what are you looking forward to most since you've really like in terms of like influencership, you've really (laughs) done it, done it all and seen it all. So what still excites you and motivates you and what are you looking forward to? Yeah. So, you know, I took this little break two months offline right after I published my book. You did. And like no post zero. No post. I deleted Instagram from my phone and I just felt I was burnt out and I felt like I needed to reset. I had been doing this career for 13 years. Obviously the industry's changed so much. And I think it's so important if you're in this industry, you need to take a break because mm. you need to live your life offline for like a long period of time, you know, chunks of time, not just like, oh, a few hours. So that was really good for me. And during that time, I thought, what do I want the next 10 years of my career to look like, right? Because now I'm in my mid-30s and I'm really starting to think like, do I want to keep doing the exact same thing I've been doing? And the landscape's changing. Like, what do I want to use my voice and platform for? So I'm excited because one thing I'm really trying to do is amplify like female founders and their voices. Amazing. And I'm starting to invest in female founded companies. So I just invested in two this year and hopefully many, many more to come. And I'd love to like serve on their boards and be an advisor and really consult and counsel them and share the ups and downs and all the knowledge I've learned from doing all these campaigns and working with big brands. And yeah, that's kind of what I see at the next phase of this career going, obviously still being an influencer, but 
just giving back and like supporting other females that are just starting out too. I love that. That is such a beautiful way to use your expertise. Are you trying to focus like on social media based companies or you want to go like kind of different to be honest. Like one is a retail platform and then one is a co-working space. So totally different, but they're all kind of female centric and they really like to highlight and empower female voices. And they developed their companies because they couldn't find anything that wasn't male dominated that, you know, they experienced a lot of trickiness in their career early on being in male dominated industries. So I love that they turned that and used that as fuel to create these companies that really allow women a seat at the table. Mm. I think that's so important. No, that's so important. And that's what a great way to really, well, first of all, so smart of you to take the time to like, think about what you're doing and then to really do something that's going to be impactful and help others. It seems correct for you. (laughs) you. (laughs) It seems absolutely correct. I love that. Well, if you have any advice for anyone really at any stage of their life, that's thinking about going into, you know, either Instagram, TikTok, content creation, influencership, I don't know, (laughs) never know what the right word is. What would you, what would you, uh, would your advice be to those people? I would say be willing to learn every single job. Like it's obviously easy to outsource. There's so many great creatives to work with right now, but in the beginning, you need to learn how to do it all. You know, be your own accountant, do QuickBooks, just Google it, like take a tutorial. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Photoshop, you know, how to edit your photos, make the colors more vibrant, videography, like photography, really teach yourself all the skills that are needed in social media because you want to have 100% creative control. And yeah, that I think that is what really helped me launch quick because I took a bunch of classes. I figured out how to do all these different skills. And I was able to, if a brand wanted to work with me last minute, I was able to put something together, like a contract, an invoice, all that stuff really quickly, rather than having to outsource 10 people. Right. So it's your one man and you're still a one man show. Yeah. Wow. Good yeah, for you. I have, a, I have a manager now, which is great. And they help with like the contracts, negotiation, right, the, legal. the legal stuff. So when you get to that point, it's great. But I actually self-managed myself for eight years and I would just have either like a template for a contract. And I knew kind of you keywords would. to look out for if they ever had their own contract to save on lawyer fees because lawyer fees are really yeah. expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say everyone always add a reverse indemnification clause in your contracts. Okay. So I know that I, sounds well, I'll have to Google that. <laughs> yes, that's like the one thing. If any brand sends you a contract, just make sure it protects you. Because you. oftentimes what it'll say it is you won't hold the brand liable for you know anything. They need to do that to you too. Right. So you want to make sure that that little clause is always in there. And that'll save you like a thousand dollars in lawyer fees. So there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for saving us a thousand dollars. We I couldn't appreciate that more. My last question for you, and this does not have to be social media related, is yes. what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Oh, I think it's don't take advice from anyone you don't want to be like. <laughs> that is really good advice. <laughs> Isn't that a good one? Because there's so many people giving advice out there. Yeah. But if you don't look up to them and think, wow, this person's really crushing it. Yeah. And, you know, I really admire them. Don't listen to what they have to say. Yeah, Just true. Tune it out. Honestly, so, very good think- and easy advice. I like that. <laughs> 
Well, Kat, thank you so much for coming. I'm so excited that everybody gets to hear your story. And we are going to be continuing to tune into everything that you do. If people want to find you on the internet, where can yes. they find you? You can find me on Instagram, Kat Jamison, and my blog, with withlovefromkat.com. Thank you, Kat. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And we will see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to World's Your Oyster. I'm so excited that you're here and I cannot wait to continue growing on this journey with you. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope that you'll subscribe here, wherever it is that you might be listening. And why don't you go ahead and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube at World's Your Oyster Podcast. We also have an awesome newsletter, so I hope that you'll visit us there at www.worldyouroysterpodcast and hit subscribe as soon as you get to our website. Don't forget, we'll see you next Friday. Bye!